Today we continue our Advent series, Pardon the Interruption, focusing on the shepherds. During this series, we've talked about uh, God's interruption in a young teenager's life. The teenager's name is Mary. We talked about God's interruption in the young man's life, Joseph. We've talked about how their lives were radically interrupted, uh, taken off the course that they had mapped out for their life. Their lives were radically interrupted, and the, and the course of their life radically changed. They were used by God to bring uh, a Savior, Jesus, the Lord, to earth. Last week, we talked about the interruption the angels experienced, how they were interrupted from their main job, which is worship, praise and worship of Almighty God and Jesus in heaven. They were interrupted to tell about Jesus coming to earth. And they were interrupted from their primary function, worship, and they were sent to be messengers, agents of God to the earth, uh, to the shepherds. And today we talk about the interruption of the shepherds. Love that song, Tom and Paul, and, and the shepherd's uh, song and song, words from Luke that we'll get to in a moment. The song captured so well this morning as well. And so the gospel writer Luke sets the stage. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. If you uh, dig a little bit deeper into the gospels, you'll discover that Luke uh, was not one of the followers of Jesus as one of the 12, but Luke was a physician. And so Luke was, was analyzed things, interviewed people of the first century. A new Luke knew Jesus' brother James, or you called James the half-brother of Jesus, knew him, probably interviewed him as to the stories that his mom and dad, Joseph and Mary, told as they were growing up. The stories about their experience of, of the angels and all of that. Luke was very analytical as a doctor, and so then he... He gave a report, a gospel, of Jesus' birth and his life, death, and resurrection. And so this is the stage that Luke sets here in Luke 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Where do, angels, where do shepherds live? In the fields, outdoors. That's their job. And what do they do? What's their job? They watch over their sheep. They, they tend for, care for their flocks. And so we have here in this backdrop, ordinary shepherds doing what they do. <laughs> ordinary shepherds minding their own business. They um, have corralled their sheep for the night. Sheep are quiet, quieting down. Shepherds are making small talk about the day, winding down themselves, getting ready to go to sleep. And suddenly, they're interrupted. Suddenly, they're interrupted by the songs, the sounds of an angel, a messenger from God. In the midst of the peace and quietness and stillness of the night, who knows but 10 or 20 or 30 minutes from the shepherds themselves falling asleep, the, the shepherds are interrupted by this angel. The next verse, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
quieting down, they're tending their own business, they're minding their own, and then suddenly an angel appears, and the glory of the Lord around, they're terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, the town of David, Bethlehem's the town of David, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born in, to you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. So do you get the picture? Suddenly these shepherds out in their fields, winding down for the day, making small talk, have their sheep corralled, getting ready to go to bed themselves. Our, the peace and the stillness is interrupted with this incredible message, this incredible visitation from an angel messenger from God. And in, 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 in the middle of them doing minding their own business, suddenly they are thrust into doing God's business. They're they are experiencing God's redemption, the news of God's redemption through a Savior being born who is Christ the Lord. Uh, but then you think, well, shepherds. Why shepherds? I mean, shepherds were not among the rich and famous of the first century. Shepherds were not among the popular and wealthy of the first century. Shepherds were not on anybody's who's who list in the first century. So, so why shepherds? Why not the priests who, who were in the temple? Why not kings who were in high places, places of honor? Well, let's consider the shepherds for a few minutes. Shepherds were not highly esteemed by the world. Not highly esteemed by the world. They were outcasts. They were looked down upon by others. Shepherds were not allowed to give testimony in court. They were of such ill repute that they were not allowed to give testimony in court. They were not permitted to go into the temple. They, they lived outdoors. They were unkept. They were religiously unclean. So they were not permitted to testify in court, not allowed in the temple. They, they, they are dirty and despised and disgusting. So that's who the shepherds are. And nobody liked the shepherds, especially the religious people didn't like the shepherds. The, the faithful Jews of the first century were warned by rabbis to, to not enter into six professions, and one of the professions was sheep herding. Sheep herding. Uh, the Willie Nelsons of the day used to sing, Mamas, uh, don't let your babies grow up to be shepherds. <laughs> oh, no. Don't be teaching them that kind of stuff, right? Uh, shepherds, uneducated, unrefined, country hicks, the rednecks of Judea. That's the shepherds. And yet now they are interrupted by an angel sent on mission, sent as a messenger from God. They are interrupted by an angel with a personal invitation to come and see Jesus. <laughs> An invitation to come and see Jesus, the Savior of the world. Now, were they just in the right place at the right time, or is God uh, trying to say something here? 
Is God trying to do something here? Absolutely, God is trying to say something here. God is trying to do something here. God is always very intentional and strategic about his will and his way. And in in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. In the right time, in the fullness of time, when everything was staged, when everything was uh, complete and and on the world scene, the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to the right, just the right young woman, Mary, to the right young man, Joseph, and to the right group of people, the shepherds. Shepherds, not highly esteemed by the world, but highly esteemed by God. These shepherds, highly esteemed by God. And isn't that like God? God's always about an upside-down kingdom. Read the Gospels. Read Matthew, the Beatitudes. Read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus came to to offer God's upside-down way of living, values, priorities, And these shepherds here are part of that highly esteemed by God. Then, not only does God send uh, an angel to deliver a message to these despised, dirty, and disgusting shepherds, but God sends a whole host of, of angelic messengers, a whole host of angels, to sing the Hallelujah Chorus to a bunch of guys who don't even, can't even read music. And here they are. Verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host, that means a lot of heavenly hosts, that means a lot of angels, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That night, these, ho- these shepherds experienced an encounter with an angel. Then they experienced a whole host of heavenly angels sent on mission and, and singing and praising God and talking about a peace that's going to come, a peace that comes to those on whom God's favor rests. Can you imagine? Uh, their lives were interrupted. <laughs> what did they do? How did they respond? Verse 15, next verse. When the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, sometimes the Christmas story, and especially the Luke, Luke's account of the Christmas story, becomes rather familiar to us, right? We can, many of us can almost quote it and can, can kind of got that rhythm to it, right? It's, it's that familiar Christmas story, Luke 2, 1 through 20, or 8 through 20, whatever you read. And it can become so familiar that we get immunized against its impact. And really what Luke is telling us the, the, the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem, let's leave our fields and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The Lord has told us through these angels that he sent, so let's see for ourselves. Let's, <laughs> let's check it out. In other words, I love it, they didn't just say, well, let's just sit here and ponder what we just experienced. Let's just sit here and talk about what this means. Let's just sit around the campfire and 
kind of weigh the pros and cons of what we experienced, see if it makes sense, see if it fits our realm of thinking. Let's philosophize about it a little bit more. Let's just wait and see if the angels come back. If they come back a second time, well, then we'll know it's true. Let's, 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 uh, they, they, they said, let's, no, no, let's not deflect. Let's not reject this interruption. Let's go and see what this interruption and invitation are all about. And so they went to Bethlehem, verse 16. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They hurried off. They made haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Now consider with me for a moment uh, a different scenario. Consider this scenario. Shepherds are out in the fields. They have all their sheep corralled for the night, bedded down. And they're starting themselves to just chit-chat, small talk about the day, winding down themselves, getting ready to go to sleep. And then suddenly there's an interruption. This interruption from on high, an angel appears, then a whole host of heavenly angels appear, and then the angels disappear. Then the angels leave. And in this scenario, the, angel, the shepherds just sort of kind of sit around and, whoa, that is wild. What just happened? And they sit around and they talk and they discuss and they ponder and they wonder. They don't, they don't go. They just kind of sit around and talk. And then after a while, they talk and kind of the luster is worn off and they're getting tired and they fall asleep. Forty years later, one of those shepherds, now an elderly shepherd, is talking with his grandson. And he's telling his grandson about this eventful night. And, the, and as he tells the story of this eventful night, the grandson, the young, young boy, is just sitting there with his eyes and his ears wide open. And he says, Grandpa, was what happened that night really true? And, and Grandpa continues to tell him stories of that night, and then he tells him other stories, things he's heard about Jesus. And he's, he even tells his grandson that he heard reports about Jesus supposedly being crucified and, and, and then and resurrection. And the boy's eyes get real big and wide again. He's, and he says, Grandpa, was what the angels said that night really true? And all Grandpa can do is shake his head and say, I don't know. I never went to see. And so it is for many people today. They've heard about Jesus. They've heard stories about Jesus. They've even heard about Jesus' death and resurrection. But they've never made a personal, diligent, honest search. They, they have never gone to see for themselves. They have never opened their heart and life to, to the baby born 2,000 years ago, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
Have you? Let's not go one more Christmas hearing and not receiving. Let's not go one more Christmas hearing but not responding. Let's not go one more Christmas with our children or our grandchildren asking us, is it true? Is it really true? And all we can do is shake our heads and say, I don't know. I never went to see. Luke, 16, Luke 2, verse 16, they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Now, let me read that verse again. When they had seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what they had been told by the angels about this child and by Mary and Joseph about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So what do we have here? These shepherds, these lowly shepherds, not esteemed by the world. They're just hanging out. They're, they're esteemed by God, but they're just, they're minding their own business. They're do, doing small talk, and, and they're winding down for the day. They're getting ready to go to sleep. Suddenly, they're interrupted, and, and instead of doing their own business, what, what do we read here about the shepherds? They start doing God's business. What is God's business? Well, what did the shepherds do? They spread the word about Jesus. What is God's business? Spreading the word about Jesus. They spread the word about Jesus. Think about it. These shepherds were the first evangelists on earth. (laughs) These shepherds were the first ones who said, we have seen the Lord. They testified. And, And scripture says they went back to their fields and testified. They went back to their fields, and I I, I imagine they spent the rest of their lives telling and retelling the story. They testified of their experience of the angels. They testified of their experience of the baby Jesus. They testified back in their fields. What is God's business for us? Testifying in our fields. What is your field? Well, our fields are our our place of work, our workplace, our, our office. Our, our school, our neighborhood, uh, our, our fields, our, uh, our family. We testify in our field. God's business is us bearing witness for him. And, and he challenges us today to move beyond minding our own business. He wants to interrupt us so we can be about God's business, his business. Are you testifying about your experience of God? Doesn't that be complicated? Doesn't that be complex? You don't have to be theologically trained or theologically astute. You just have to testify of your experience of God. His grace, his goodness, his family that you're a part of, testifying about God, his, his answer to prayer, his peace, his joy, uh, his, his goodness in your life. <laughs> it's just testifying of your experience of meeting Jesus. That's God's business. Are you just minding your own business? Or are you engaged in God's business? What else is God's business? Uh, 
they glorified and praised God. They glorified and praised God. They spread the word about Jesus and they glorified and praised God. Where do I find that? In verse 20. The shepherds returned, meaning returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The angels in the fields told them. They hurried off to Bethlehem to experience for themselves. They went back to the fields and then they told all their sheep herding friends, just as, they had been, just as the angels told us, we experienced it. And they testified and they worshiped and praised God. That's God's business, worshiping and praising him like we're doing this morning, like we'll be doing on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Worshiping and praising God is part of God's business. So as the shepherds, we are called to sing and praise God. And as the shepherds, we are called to spread the word about Jesus. The College of William and Mary. I imagine some of you are familiar with the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, uh, uh, Virginia. It was established in 1691. It's a long time ago. 1691. It was named after King William III and Queen Mary II of England. And the College of William and Mary is a significant uh, institution of higher learning. It's a, it's a, a well uh, uh, entrusted and uh, significant academic rigor at the College of William and Mary. But did you know that after the Civil War, the College of William and Mary uh, suffered greatly? After the Civil War, uh, some of the buildings had been destroyed. Many of the buildings were burned. There, there were no, uh, they ran out of money. There was no money. No students. No resources. No interest in the College of William and Mary continuing. And so in 1881, it closed shut down. Over the course of time, the weeds grew up. Some of the windows were broken. It was abandoned, uh, forgotten, a lost cause. Except for the efforts of one man, the president of the college, President Benjamin Ewell. President Benjamin Ewell determined that the cause he loved and the cause to which he had given his life would not die. And so every fall, he would go to the bell tower and he would ring the bells, calling the school to classes. <laughs> he acted as if school was in session. People thought he was crazy. 1881, 1882, 1883, 1884. Uh, for seven years, President Benjamin Ewell went to the bell tower every fall and he rang the bells in defiance of the despair and the disruption all around him. As I said, people thought he was crazy, but as a result, the dream did not die. 
in 1888, the College of William and Mary was reopened. And today is a thriving institution with a high academic standard. All because one man kept ringing the bells. That's our mission, isn't it? In spite of all the despair and the disruption that we might see around us, in spite of the fact that we might be the only one who cares about the truth and the reality of Jesus in our family, the only one who cares in, in our family or in our, in our workplace or, or in our school, the only one who cares, in, in spite of the fact that people might think we are crazy, our job is to keep ringing the bells, to keep singing the songs, our, our, our job is to keep sharing the message of a Savior has been born. Our job is to continue, continue to invite people to Bethlehem to experience for themselves the, the reality of Christ. Our job is to keep God's dream alive that all people would know the love and life of Christ. Our job is to continue what the shepherds started. Candy our canes. job is candy to move canes. from minding like our own. Cane? How about one for, oops, one for you? Candy canes. What in the candy world canes. is going on here? Candy canes. What are you doing, Jim and Cheryl? Well. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Here you go. What, what's going on, Cheryl? Well, pardon the interruption, Pastor Harold. <laughs> I so. But you said you wanted the candy canes handed out by the end of the sermon. By the end of the sermon, I'm sorry, but I'm still preaching. Well, you're done now. Well, I, I, guess, I guess so. So, we've got more candy canes to hand out. Is there anything else? Sure. Thank you, thank you. Well, continue what the shepherd started, friends. Move from minding your business to minding God's business. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for the interruption 2,000 years ago in the shepherd's life. And we thank you that they were, they were open to your interruption. And, th and they hurried off and went to experience you. We thank you that they went from hunkering down around a campfire with their sheep to mind their own business. And they were open to doing your business. I pray, Lord, I'm thankful for the interruption this morning and that you'll help us to, to be open to your interruption in our lives, that we might be shaken from our campfire and our, our own business to be engaged in your business in the world today. Lord, my prayer is that you'll help us, inspire us to keep singing the songs of Christmas. to keep ringing the bells of Christmas, to keep sharing the message of Christmas, to keep inviting others to Bethlehem to see, and to keep your dream alive of all people, knowing the love and life of Christ. Lord, uh, we praise you and thank you for calling us. <laughs> we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, and we thank you for calling us to be shepherds today. In Jesus' name, amen.